tires.net as we will get Jerry's perspective on all things happening in the NASCAR world and also go back in time with Jerry on his journey to where he's at right now. Should be a fascinating conversation when Jerry joins us coming up in just a few moments from right now. Plus, we'll have our news and notes segment as well as our Ask David segment at the end of the show as well. David Starr joins us right now. David? We uh, had a lot of fun uh, the last couple of days uh, with the uh, racing school. Very successful one. The first time of you as the uh, full-time owner out there at Texas Motor Speedway. Would have loved to have been out Auto Club, but nonetheless, a, a great time there out of the Texas Motor Speedway with uh, the Team Texas High Performance crew. No doubt about it. It was great. It was a great weekend. And uh, for our first school, you couldn't ask for anything better. The weather was beautiful. We had a lot of customers there. You were there, Tyler. That was awesome. And uh, man, what a home run it was. And I tell people, if you uh, if you got the need for speed, come drive a NASCAR race race car, teamtexas.com, baby. And, and man, they they came out Sunday afternoon and it was, uh, it was a great time. It's always fun to see all the men and women, you know, from all over. We had people from all over the country there and, and uh, getting to share my passion with, with them and them jumping in one of our NASCAR race cars and going out there and running a 150 miles an hour racing other cars was, was pretty awesome, man. It was a great weekend, no doubt. Dominic Aragon, the editor-in-chief of the RacingExperts.com, joins us as well. Dom, how we doing? What would you think of that race at Auto Club with uh, Kyle Larson getting back in victory lane? Yeah, Kyle Larson back to his old winning ways. But, yeah, I'm doing great. I mean, I got to say, it looked like you all had a lot of fun out there at Texas. Followed along with what you guys were doing on Instagram and all your stories. Yeah, it looked like a lot of fun. I'd love to get out there and try to help you guys out on one of those race weekends. But, yeah, you guys made it seem like a lot of fun. Heck, David, Tyler did such a great job. I want to get behind one of the wheels of those race cars. <laughs> well, come on, buddy. You know, it's always uh... – the invitation is open and you're always welcome, you know, and, and Tyler will let you know that you, you, uh, you're back. I'm back. You're back, David. Tyler, <laughs> let me know what. Tyler will let you know that you might, you might not want to come. It's a lot of work, man. <laughs> it's not easy, you know, but, uh, but man, what a lot, it's always, you know, I love it when uh, NASCAR fans and a lot of the media people that cover our sport, people that get inside, our, you know, get to drive a NASCAR race car and kind of gives them a different perspective on what they report on and, and kind of their passion, you know. And uh, mm. I love it when the fans say, man, I had no idea. It was, you know, how do you know what turn you're in? You know what I mean? And how do you breathe and how this and how that, you know? And I said, well, you know, this is what we've been doing for a long time in our lives. And what you do for a living, you know, I'm sure I couldn't do it either. So, uh, but it's always a, a great thing to hear people's perspective once they once they drive a race car and see, you know, and, and see them. A lot of them hollering and screaming and, and just loved every minute of it. Yeah, for sure. Uh, before we bring Jerry in, guys, uh, let's look back at that race at Auto Club. Kyle Larson comes home with his first win of 2022 off of the championship season he had in 2021. But, David, there's a whole lot more to that race than just Kyle Larson getting the win. 
the first two stages dominated by Tyler Reddick. He looked like he had the car to beat. Obviously, the controversy with Chase Elliott at the end of the race as well. And then Eric Jones having a great day. There was a whole lot of storylines surrounding this race and another good performance out of rookie Austin Cindric as well. You know, I have to be honest with you. Uh, obviously, Sunday we were busy at the Texas Motor Speedway with our racing school. Uh, we, we, when our school was over with, we went up to our great friend and, and one of my sponsors and partners, Mark Tate. Uh, Tyler, you were up there. We, we, we had the race zone. And one of the things that stuck out to me was how, was how good uh, uh, that uh, Eric Jones was running, you know. Another thing that stuck out to me was all the spin outs, you know, all the people that were spinning out. Uh, you know, I really wasn't engaged in the race because we had a lot of people up in the condo. Uh, and to be honest with you, I saw the ending of it and knew that Kyle Larson had won. I wasn't surprised by that, but I hadn't had a chance to go back and watch it from the start. And so, you know, I, I, I don't know a whole lot about how the race all played out. Uh, just because I've been so busy with other things. But I did see Cal Larson win the race. Something else that stood out to me was how uh, was uh, was uh, er, uh, Suarez, uh, how good he looked there at the end of the race. When I glanced up one time, I think with four or five laps to go, and you guys will correct me, I think somebody bumped draft him. He, you know, I seen him take the lead away from Kyle Larson. And I think a lap later, uh, might have been a caution in there. Kyle Larson retook the lead and, and held held on to win the race. But, uh, you know, from from what I've heard from other people, uh, uh, you know, it was a really, really interesting race, you know. So I'm, I'm curious to see what y'all's thoughts on everything about it. Because, again, I did not watch the race. I've seen the last 10 laps, I believe. And, and then to bring Jerry Jordan in to, to, to talk to Jerry and to hear his thoughts on everything because you, all you guys are connected. And, and again, I didn't, I didn't watch the race. So I saw who won. I was surprised by the see who our winner was. But, you know, y'all might have heard the same thing I heard. I heard that Kyle Larson really wasn't even part of the race, not until the end of the race, you know what I mean? But it's not shocking to me. The end result was Kyle Larson. You know, when the race, when it comes to the end of the race, you're always going to count on that number five Chevrolet being up near the front. And uh, he did not disappoint his fans, and none of us are surprised by it. Dominic, what'd you think? Yeah, hey, great race out there. And didn't catch the last few laps, but I watched the majority of the race and it looked like it was Tyler Reddick's race to lose. And one of those things, right? You got to watch all 200 laps. You got to go the entire distance to see what happens. But it looked like Tyler Reddick was the class of the field after starting just outside the top 10. And one thing that fascinated me guys with this new car, and I'm sure the new car has a lot to do with this, but I think CBS sports had put out the graphic, or maybe it was NASCAR on Fox. It was one of the major networks covering the race with post-race coverage, how there are 19 drivers who have scored a top 10 finish in the first two races. And that's the most parody we have seen since I believe 1973. So I think CBS or Fox had been the one to say that. And looking at that too, the first two races, there has been a different set of drivers inside the top five in each of the first two races. So a lot of diversity in the Cup Series this far early on in 22. Yeah, certainly seems that way. And uh, real quick, uh, last thing before we bring Jerry in, Don, I just want to get your thoughts uh, that that whole Chase Elliott thing, um, you know, I mean, 
These guys are teammates. We've heard rumblings about a rivalry of some sorts going on uh, in that Hendrick camp. What do you think? Do you think that was much of anything uh, of what went on there of, of Kyle and, and, uh, and Chase tangling up? Uh, I know Chase wasn't ha too happy afterwards. What did you make of what happened there? From what I gather, it just sounded like it was a racing deal. And I know Kyle Larson had spoke about it in the media center after the race discussing his win. And, and his spotter went on Twitter and said, hey, look, this was my mistake. I own up to it. And, hey, it's a racing thing. Let's move on. I saw a lot of Chase Elliott fans were happy with that. Some weren't. But, you know, it's racing. And I guess we'll see if this boils over to any future events there, Tyler. Hey, guys, from somebody that didn't see what you're talking about, can you explain what happened? Yeah, Tyler, so correct me if I'm wrong, right? And this is part of the race that I had missed, but they were going off into turn number one, and the spotter had cleared Kyle Larson, I believe, to go onto one of the higher lanes entering turn one, cut off his teammate, and they almost crashed. He gathered it back up, but Chase Elliott was not happy with the contact. Right. It cost Chase a chance to win the race. Okay. I can, I can take y'all through it real quick if y'all want. Go ahead, Jerry. Yeah. Uh, so Joey Logano was down low going going through the uh, dog leg, going around the front stretch. And uh, and Kyle and, and Joey had been battling, and Joey was getting a run on you know, on the lead. He was about he was may have been a little bit ahead of, of Kyle at one point uh, going down the front stretch. Kyle dove up to the top to kind of um, to kind of go around Joey and to get the get the arc. When he did. Chase was making a move on both of them because they were they were drafting each other, side drafting. Chase went around on the outside high with plenty of room. Kyle dove up about probably two and a half car lengths higher than he really should have. And he got into Chase, put Chase in the wall, ruined Chase's day. While Kyle was going up, Kyle Spotter comes over and says, uh, you know, hi, 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 or however the, the wording's in the article from today on, on our site uh, about how exactly what, what it was. Uh, and then Tyler Bond uh, who said later, you know, hey, this was, our, this was my fault. But immediately Chase came over the radio and a string of, you know, expletives and, you know, did not understand what Kyle was, uh, what he was trying to do there. And uh, it, it, it was pretty contentious. Uh, they said the next time they're in that situation, uh, they should put him into the wall, uh, that Chase should have just turned left at that point. And uh, I, I think that's not the thing to do, um, especially for teammates. But this has happened more than once between Chase and Kyle. And uh, you got to wonder when it's going to, uh, when it's going to boil over. Yeah, certainly something to uh, think about. And we'll see uh, where things go from here. But uh, with that, you just heard Jerry's voice. Dominic, uh, you know Jerry better than anybody here. Uh, I, I think Jerry's great. David knows him too, but go ahead and uh, give us the, the proper introduction for, uh, for Jerry Jordan here. The proper introduction. Where do I start with Jerry Jordan? I've known Jerry personally about seven years now. We met for the first time at Kansas Speedway in October 2015 and just kind of fostered that professional relationship. Our news organizations, the Racing Experts LLC and Kicking the Tires LLC have had a good working relationship over the years. But beyond that, Jerry's coverage of NASCAR and motorsports when you want to talk about a true independent team and you think of somebody like Alan Kulicki, somebody that did it all, that's Jerry Jordan. Jerry Jordan is that the equivalent in the NASCAR Media Center and the NASCAR Media Corps. He's been covering the sport for over 20 years. He's been doing it for various organizations, and he's done it mostly for himself. And he's built his entire brand and empire all around the kickingthetires.net brand. And, Jerry, we've talked about bringing you on the podcast before. We know you're a fan of the show. And, man, it's awesome to have you join us here this week on the show. 
Well, I appreciate y'all having me on. It's uh, it's not often that I get to be on someone else's podcast. I <laughs> we we're doing ours tomorrow night because sometimes we do them on Wednesday night, sometimes we do them on Thursday night. But we're we're recording tomorrow night, so it was perfect uh, for me to get to come on here. And uh, yeah, kickingthetires.net started out as a column in a weekly newspaper that I was the managing editor of. Uh, branched into a radio show a weekly radio show on a, on a station that I had invested in and then turned into a blog site, then turned into pretty quickly into a website. And then for that was that, that happened, the website happened like in 2007. And then I brought the first employee writer on uh, about 2013. I had summer bed good. And then uh, from there we have, uh, we have blossomed to eight, Riders that we have at Kicking the Tires, and and it is uh, for the first fifteen years, it was completely self-funded. So uh, uh, the, the radio show made money. That was the uh, that was the the saving grace. We did make a lot of money off the radio show to keep everything going. And, and I had a job as a an editor in 2012, almost ten years ago. Uh, I left my job as the editor of the newspaper and went full time with Kicking the Tires and doing some marketing and some other stuff. Uh, I haven't had a boss. Uh, since April 23rd of 2012. Other than my wife. You, other you than my wife. the beat of your own drum, yes. <laughs> so, so, yeah, other than my wife, I haven't had a boss since 2012. Well, man, congratulations, Jerry. It's, uh, man, it's awesome. You, you, man, I've seen you around forever, dude, for, for a long time. There's not many of us that have been around as long as we have, but Man, you have uh, you have done well for yourself, and that's cool. And if somebody can say they haven't had a boss in that that long of, in that long a period of time, is uh, that's that's uh, you know that's um, that's a big thing to be able to say, you know. And uh, you made our sport a better sport. All you guys have, you know, the media coverage and the coverage you bring to the fans. You know, we you know we're so fortunate that our that our great industry of NASCAR racing is how many great fans we have and, and, and what you all bring behind the scenes and report on what the truth of what's going on in the sport is just, it's amazing, you know, and I just have a lot of respect for all of you and, and Jerry to, 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 to hear your story, where you came from, where you're at today. It's amazing, man. Did you ever think that was going to turn out and you would be where we're at today? I had no idea. I, as I told you, uh, before the show, I wasn't interested in racing. Um, it <laughs> is what nuts, I, I didn't care. This started because my mother and my late sister were huge NASCAR fans. Okay. <laughs> and they wrote a letter to the local TV station complaining about not showing races. And the, the GM of the radio station was a friend of mine. And I went to look, I, I, they were saying, well, we're not getting responses. We're not, you know, and Radio uh, TV stations are supposed to save all that stuff for their FCC logs. Well, I went and looked at their FCC logs and talked to my buddy who's a GM of the station. And he, I'm like, they're not there. And he was like freaking out. He's like, like this is a big deal that there were no letters uh, that were sent. And I was like, I know they were sent. And uh, he's like, well, just tell them that we're going to start showing it. It, it. You know, we'll, we'll, you know, we're supposed to stick to our programming. Uh, it's becoming more and more popular. And, uh, and we'll do what we can. But, you know, they were showing infomercials and stuff like that. So long story short, I went to a race. I was hooked. And the newspaper said, hey, we need to start sports. What kind of sports can we cover? Before that, it was all investigative news and hard news and entertainment. 
And I said, well, we need to do high school football, college football, you know, college sports, what we have locally. I said, but I will on my own time for free and bring in sponsor money and advertising with it to cover NASCAR. And I started covering NASCAR on my own dime for the newspaper in a column called Kicking the Tires. And that's where we're at today. I took it with me when I left in 2012. And uh, here we are. One day I'm going to be grown up and famous like you, David. <laughs> Man, you know, guys, it, it's just awesome to hear your story. You know, a lot of, you know, over the year, over the last year and a month or two, um, when we started our podcast uh, and we only, our, our podcast got started because of Tyler Jones and Dominic, you know, without those guys, they were, uh, they were the driving force behind our podcast. But, um, you know, we interview a lot, of, a lot of people in our industry and, and all of us ask these people we interviewed, hey, take us back to the beginning, you know, take us back when you were a kid, a teenager. Let us know, man, how, how did you, who influenced you? You know, did your dad raise, your uncle, your grandfather, you know? And, and hey, guys, I don't think I've ever heard anybody tell us what Jerry just said. And my mom and my sister, I'm like, I've, we never, I've never heard that before. That's just something you don't hear. That's a cool story. <laughs> my dad raced cars. My grandfather raced cars. I had the opportunity to go drive at the local dirt track here in, in, in our area, in Beaumont, Speedway 90. Yeah. Um, and I turned it down to, to, to take photos and be a news junkie and to, you know, be a news nerd, so to speak. And, uh, but I ended up falling in love with racing and, uh, now here I am. Well, I think it all, it all worked out anyway. Thank God it worked out. But, uh, <laughs> and that's kind of cool. What a great well, story. And, and Jerry, you know, just like you, you know, I'm a news junkie too. You know, my last job, I, I just left, uh, you know, just a couple of months ago, I was a, I was a news anchor and. And uh, you know, covering all that and, and and seeing you know the the stuff from from crime to shootings to the, you name it, over the years for you, you saw all sorts of stuff in your journalism career. Tell us about some of these uh, these crazy things you covered before you even got to racing. The the news side for you, you were you were just all over it. It, it was gangbusters for you. Well, I I was an investigative reporter, and I still am an investigative reporter. Uh, I, I I actually <laughs> have done. Can't let go of it. <laughs> I can't. I've done some of it in NASCAR, um, <laughs> but I uh, I wrote the stories that put our local mayor and a city councilman in, in federal prison, along with a local businessman. Um, wow. I also wrote the stories that led to the takeover of our school district by the state, um, as well as seven of those employees and uh of the board going to federal prison um i caught them they changed the letter on one company they changed one letter in the company's name uh and started depositing checks in their personal bank account in that new company with a different letter's name and i had to go through thousands of accounting records to uh to figure out how they were stealing money and i found it with that one letter uh and they ended up going to prison so yeah, I've done a, I've done a lot. Thirty-seven people have gone to jail because of articles that uh, that I've written through my twenty-plus year careers as, as an investigative journalist. I like hey, how you're uh, keeping track your journey, but who's counting, right? Yeah, it's thirty. Uh, you know, I wasn't going to keep track, but one day I started thinking like this person and this person. And that, and, yeah, it's thirty-seven. Now, hey Jerry, I was just thinking uh, just a minute ago. It's like it'd be fun to go to lunch or dinner with uh, Jerry Jordan, but hey guys, I think I might <laughs> take a rain check. I'll tell you what, Dave, we, always, we make some jokes there with some of our inner circle, like, hey, Jerry's a great guy, he's a good friend, and we've known him a long time, but don't cross Jerry Jordan because he'll investigate you. So, <laughs> <I'm not. laughs> 
Hey, I've got my phone here, Dave. What do you want me to tell you about yourself? <laughs> I, I, I did. I had a, I had a, a big story. I have several big stories. I broke the story about um, DC Solar uh, wow. being a being a billion dollar Ponzi scheme. I broke it at Atlanta Raceway uh, right before the race. I waited uh, bef right before the race went green so that I would get the most play when everybody was on Twitter and hit and, and broke that story. Uh, I did the Kurt Busch ex-girlfriend story with Tr Patricia Driscoll, who is going to face a retrial later this year on federal charges that uh, that happened after an investigation the, that I looked into, the funding of the uh, Armed Forces Foundation that she was running. Um, I've done, uh, I did, I didn't get a lot of credit for this, but I, when Dale Jr. Um, had his brain injury, uh, I did a, about a 4,000 word story interviewing a doctor who is the uh, he's friends with Dale Jr.'s doctor, um, but he talked about brain injuries and explained the whole situation that Dale was going through uh, and had never seen Dale. He just talked about about the injuries and what what you know athletes expect and you know can expect and how they can recover and things like that. So I've had some uh, some interesting stories through the years, but I just I love going to the track and taking the photos and writing the stories of, of, you know, different things like what happened with Chase and, and uh, Kyle this past weekend, that type of stuff's fun to me. You know, Jerry, the, uh, the three stories you just talked about in our industry were just huge, big news in our industry. You know, the DC, so is it DC, DC solar? Yes. Yeah. DC solar. Uh, I mean, that was, I mean, they were sponsoring races. They were, you know, it's like this company, you know, as a race car driver, you know, not associate with them any form, shape, or fashion, but uh, but seeing them in our industry, I mean, they they came in with an explosion. You know what I mean? And uh, and when it when it you know it was surprising to everybody, I believe. But when you broke that story, I was like, wow. You know what I mean? It was it was it, that was big news. You know. And then you go back to Kurt Bush's ex-girlfriend and you know I, I remember that like it was yesterday you know and and that was big news in our industry you're talking about Kurt Bush one of our biggest stars of our of our industry you know and then uh you know just uh man you you it's it's amazing then you talk about the Dell Jr uh you know with the concussion stuff he dealt with for a year or year and a half however long it was but man you were that, that's amazing. You uh, you do great work and um, unbelievable, but it was uh, big, big, big news in our industry, no doubt about it. I appreciate well, that. To add yeah. to that too, David, along the same lines, you know, I, I was thinking, Dominic, you know, where would the sport be without Jerry and his reporting and such too? I mean, these stories we're talking about here, I mean, I, I think there's a good chance they likely would not have been uncovered unless Jerry – went in and found these specific out. Jerry, uh, I mean, besides just the great journalism career you've had, both in a news and in NASCAR, both, uh, I hear you're quite the pool player yourself as well. Uh, I'm, I'm okay, yeah. That's selling yourself a little short. I mean, tell us more about it. I, uh, I, I in, back years ago, um, I did make a, a living playing pool. I played on the uh, the uh, Camel Pro Tour. Played I played on the on the one event in the Camel Pro Tour, and I played multiple events in the U.S. National Nine Ball Tour um, and the, the McDermott Nine Ball Tour back in the early to early nineties. So uh, and from ninety from basically ninety until ninety 
five, I didn't have a, a real full-time job. I basically just played pool. Uh, I might have a part-time job or do something like that, but yeah, all I did was play pool. Hey, dude, all hey over the guys, country. How about an investigator, investigator, reporter, and a hustler? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's there's pool keys all over this room. By the way, there's, I've got probably thirty pool keys in here. So now, where did your pool, where'd your pool playing career take you? You went all over, right? I have played pool, and I've been to a lot of countries. I have played pool in every country I've ever been in. Um, but, uh, I've played in China. Uh, I've played in Hong Kong. I've been, played in communist China. I've played in Hong Kong. I've played in Macau, uh, Italy. Uh, let's see. I played Germany, uh, London. I went to, uh, I went to, to Paris and, and played, uh, played in Mexico, uh, just across the border here. Uh, so yeah, I've played in, in every country I've ever visited. I have played pool in. I did not play competitively in every country. Uh, I may have gambled or, you know, had right. a few food bucks on it. But uh, competitively, I, I did go across the border and play uh, in Mexico once. I, I did go uh, to China, um, not with a tournament, but played in some tournaments over there while I was uh, visiting China several years ago uh, and in Hong Kong. So, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's been fun. It's a, it's a fun hobby for me. I'm not as good as I used to be. Uh, but uh, I'll tell you what. There's a there's a NASCAR driver, former IndyCar driver, World of Outlaws driver, uh, USAC midget driver, NHRA team owner, uh, <laughs> and he's a damn good pool player. Just to tell you that, <laughs> that's, Tony Stewart that's awesome. is a he's a hell of a pool player. So uh, uh, yeah, so uh, there's, I, I, there's, there's there's several he, there's several pool he, players in the car. When he breaks when he when he breaks the balls when he racks them up and and he breaks them. Is there smoke behind that shot as well? <laughs> He's pretty strong, and don't Absolutely. you know? Uh, I'm, I'm gonna sell him out here because uh, uh, if he if he tells you he can't play, don't believe him. Absolutely. <laughs> so, Jerry, uh, you, you know we've heard a lot about some of the great work you've done in the past. Uh, racing, why? You know, they're all been racing stories, but tell us some of the stories that really meant meant a lot to you uh that you covered or happened in the sport just just give us an ideal some of the things that have happened over the years that really uh that still that it's still i mean i know they all stay with you but some that had a lot of meaning to them for you you know what are the big and then tell us about some of the changes we've seen over the years in nascar and I, I've seen a lot of changes. We've been through a number of cars and, you know, different iterations of race cars. And I remember when, you know, one year we had a wing and that was the, the, <laughs> the COT. And uh, then, you know, the boys have added rules and that really didn't mean that. Right. Uh, the, you know, more recently, the, the encumbered wins. But back before that, it was, uh, you know, I, I'm going to tell you something about my, my journey to get into the sport. I worked for a weekly newspaper and Daytona did not give credentials to weekly newspapers. So I covered for six years, the Daytona 500 and the, and the July race from the grandstands with this big lens, you know, big lens like this, not this one, because I got that later, but that big lens right there uh, like that and shooting photos from the grandstands because I couldn't get into the track. It wasn't until the late David Poole, and ESPN's Marty Smith went to NASCAR and said, this guy's going to like 16 or 18 races a year, and he 
you know, he's having trouble getting into races. He doesn't have a hard card. And my hard card came in 2007 because of late, late David Poole and Marty Smith and Kerry Tharp and, and, and all of the, the people at NASCAR. So uh, that was the most important moment in the sport for me uh, was getting my hard card because that allowed me to continue. Because I was like, do I still want to do this if I'm having so much trouble going to the uh, you know, going to a race. I didn't know that I was going to be leaving and making kicking the tires bigger, but I had just invested in a radio station. I had just started this, you know, a radio show every week about NASCAR. So uh, that was important to me. Um, some of the cool things in NASCAR is when someone uses your name. When you're hey, can we can, can we stop you for a sure. second? I, I just I'm, I don't I don't want to get let this get too far away from us because you're going to go into something else. But okay, man, guys. For somebody to report and report like Jerry did on our sport for that many years from the grandstands, dude, I don't know too many people that would have continued that long uh, to report on the sport as well as you reported on from the grandstands. That's that's unheard of. That says a lot about who but, you are and how great of a journalism you are and how good you were to report from the freaking grandstands for six or seven years. But finally, now David, but man, David, that was only for, that was only for Daytona races. Oh, okay. I was able to get, yeah, I was able to get credentials for other races and they would okay. see me at the tracks, but that was only for the two Daytona races. I couldn't get, I still didn't have a hard card. I would have to, you know, the, the old fashioned way of writing uh, and getting credentials. So uh, it was, uh, it was, it was fun times back then. Amazing. Man. That's a, that book. That book's going to be good. <laughs> <laughs> I don't need a book about my life. <laughs> but tell us, tell us what you, sorry to interrupt you. Now go back. Oh, to no, some, no, no, that's fine. Yeah. When a driver uses your name, you know, when you've been around the sport and you're walking by and Brad Kislowski, for example, uh, you know, Hey Jerry, how's it going? You know, what you working on this week? Or you're in an interview and that, you know, a driver says, well, you know, Jerry, that's a good question. Um, doesn't matter who it is. That lets you know that they recognize that you're doing something in the sport. And that was, you know, uh, that was really cool. When, uh, when, when Brad Kozlowski was one of the, one of the, the first ones to really do it more often, William Byron is very good about it. Um, so, uh, but back in the day, um, trying to think, Kevin Harvick did it once. Uh, so, yeah, those those types of things you uh, they stand out, and they 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 kind of form your opinion on what a driver is like away from the steering, you know, being in the in the cockpit of the car. Absolutely, you know, and and hey, I. And I just hear, and I don't know about Tyler and, and, and Dominic, but I just hear respect, respect, respect. You know what I mean? I mean, you, you've you earned that, you know, thousand times, you know what I mean? And I'm not surprised to hear that the drivers will tell you. And, you know, I'm just, I, I think it just says they all respect your ability and what you have done and the coverage you have given given the sport. And, and uh, just, it just says a lot about who you are. I'm not surprised by that, but cool to, cool for you. Thanks for sharing that with us. That's pretty neat. 
Yeah, well, I gotta say too, it's really cool seeing Jerry at the racetrack. I mean, any NASCAR race weekend I've gone to cover, I more often than not see Jerry there. And one minute he's tracking interviews or he's in the bullpen talking to other drivers. And then I see a photo vest on him. He's shooting photos. He's doing a little bit of everything. He still lives up to that one man band mentality. And he's still doing a lot in the sport, David. He's one of the hardest workers in that NASCAR media corps. Well, I'm not surprised he's from Texas. So, hey, what, what do you expect? <laughs> that's right. That's right. <laughs> and David, in 2011, I, uh, I don't know if you remember. Do you remember Dorsey Patrick? She was a photographer. Man, Dor I do remember her, yeah. Okay, so she retired several years ago, but Dorsey Patrick and I, unlike a lot of people, Dorsey and I are friends. We, she, she grates on people's nerves, and she'll admit that. <laughs> but, but she and I are, are tight, and, uh, and we have been for years. Dorsey, that was Dorsey's lens, that, back, okay. that white lens back there. Um, in 2011, she asked me, hey, can you hang out with the Wood Brothers today? I've got some other assignments. Can you shoot the Wood Brothers for me today? And I'm like, sure, I'll just hang out there and I'll do that and write, I can write some stuff later. It'll be a good story. This kid's starting his first race that, you know, he's going, you know, racing the Daytona 500 for the Wood Brothers. <laughs> I go up, I get to talk to David <laughs> Pearson. I, asked, wow. I, said, I said, David, what do you think of this kid? You know, he's like, I don't know, you know, hopefully he doesn't wreck the car. And I said, well, what's his <laughs> chance? Of, he said, uh, I said, what's his chance of winning? He says, he ain't got a snowball's chance in hell of getting into victory lane. <laughs> and I said, okay, okay, well, I don't, I'll, I'll save that. And uh, Trevor wins the race, and I go back to David Pearson, and he's like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. He did it. Every yeah. blind squirrel gets a nut. That boy drove his butt <laughs> off. <laughs> hey, I'm proud of him. David Pearson, <laughs> you know, he's like, ate his words. And like, so that was a cool story. Wow. through the years of, and he's like i'm proud of that boy he did a good job he he he, he did that 21 right <laughs> hey to, to be able to speak to the silver fox like that legend 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 put the wood brothers on the map uh that's that's amazing and then to, to be able to talk to him and interview him and then to be able to on the in the same on the same day have him come back to you and tell you that, hey, I need to eat my words and uh, I was wrong was amazing from David Pearson. Unbelievable. Yeah. You know? It was great. That was, yeah. that's probably the coolest interview that I, that I had done through the, through the years uh, and the story, just being able to, to feel that, that vibe with the Wood Brothers because they're such great people. Man, they, they are. And man, I remember that day like it was yesterday. And I remember Richard Petty hugging Leonard Wood, you know, and, you know, and, and I see that, but, when I was a little boy growing up and reading all the stock car magazines and reading all the books I had that were in the library and watching the Daytona 500 on ABC, you know, it was Richard Petty, uh, Petty Enterprises against the Wood Brothers and David Pearson. They were fierce competitors, you know, especially at Daytona and, and other racetracks, you know, but and to see Trevor win that race that day, and just to see the camaraderie again with David Pearson, Richard Petty, Leonard Wood, and, and all the Wood family was just—I just think it was just such a uh, was such a heartfelt. It was big news, not only in our industry but in the world. It was big news. It was a big deal. Yeah, it was fun. That was awesome. But yeah, that is cool. Awesome. That's incredible. Uh, what a, uh, a great story there uh, on on that front and. And, uh, and Jared, what, what I'm curious of, uh, you know, of what you've seen, you know, of the, of the last, uh, you know, couple of years, you know, in this sport, you know, and, and 
from your perspective of kicking out in the tires.net, what's been kind of your favorite stories to cover, whether it's on the track or off the track, what's been some of the things that have caught your eye over uh, the last few years in recent memory? So I'm not the greatest person to write your race recaps and things like that. Um, I still try to find the story behind the story, uh, you know, more in-depth stuff. Uh, I, wa I waited until this morning to write uh, the, to the chase stuff and just because I wanted to see if anything else came out between him and him and, uh, and Kyle Larson. Uh, but that's, that's the, where I enjoy the most is, is trying to find out the story that other people aren't telling. Uh, and, it, and I will say this, this year with the embracing of NASCAR, I never thought I would see this happening, but NASCAR embracing sports betting. Um, I started a sports betting column just because I have background in that area, it's, you know, through pool and things like that from the, from the past. So uh, that's something I never thought I'd see in, in NASCAR is in the embracing of, of sports betting. Um, but the way that they have taken two and a half years ago, this car, this idea, uh, this platform that was completely radical, wholesale change of what we had been driving for years to what it, we saw on the track uh, this past weekend at Daytona and at the, out, out at the LA Coliseum. I am amazed. And that's probably been, that's probably the greatest story that anybody could talk about uh, for the 22. It's not just the 22 season. It's the 21, the 20 season and when it all started. Because when I start, first started talking to, uh, to the people at Toyota, the people at Chevrolet, it was like, what do you want to see in this new car? And they wanted, they wanted to be able to keep the things that were important to their brand, but they also realized there's legal reasons why we have to go to some of the stuff that we're doing. The federal government requirements with, uh, with their production cars, they have to test that stuff somewhere. And they use NASCAR to test a lot of that stuff that they're going to put on the production cars to meet EPA standards and to meet fuel emission standards and, and uh, fuel economy standards. So those things the fans don't know about, and you get all these expert fans that are on Twitter and you know, they think they know the, you know, what's best. Well, there's reasons why things happen. Uh, and, and I think NASCAR and the drivers and the teams have done a good job of explaining the new car. And they've done a heck of a job of actually getting this new car on the track. And, and so far, we've seen some really good racing. Absolutely, man. That's very interesting to, to learn that from you. I didn't even know that, that, you know, like you said, radical, the radical change is night and day, but you know, it's from a legal standpoint and what, what the manufacturers Ford, Toyota, Chevrolet, GM, you know, what they have to do to build it. And, you know, they have to have some type of current uh, technology uh, with the cars, the production cars that they're manufacturing uh, that we that we drive and, and we ride in on the highway in America uh, it's kind of interesting if you speak about that that's 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 pretty cool I didn't even know that but that's that's interesting Jerry yeah there's fuel economy standards that are going into play uh, by 20 well they're originally 2025 and then uh, by 2030 it's a it's another standard. Uh, and they want to meet, you know, the, that's why you see hybrids and things of that nature. That's why the energy recuperation uh, for the new cars as we go forward, some of the changes that you'll see in the hybridization of, the, of, the, of this car, things right. that they can change is they can also use in the manufacturing uh, process for their, for their production models. So there's a lot of stuff that, you know, 
they need to learn about and they're using NASCAR as a testing platform and it's relevant to what they're doing. You know, the, the, the wheels, the bigger wheels, the wider right. wheels, the, the taller, all of that stuff. There's a reason it's not just to look like the car, but it also helps aerodynamics, fuel economy, things of that nature. Absolutely. Man. That's, that's, that's so interesting. And uh, man, you know, uh, it's pretty cool. It's, you, you've done your homework with these different manufacturers having relationships with these people. And uh, that's, that's very interesting. And I don't uh, understand, I don't understand it all. <laughs> I'm not, no. a, I'm not an engineer, but I do, I can read the laws and I can read the, I can read what's coming into play. Absolutely. And, and I think you're right, man. And, and uh, you know, the teams, the race car drivers, the crew chief, the engineers, uh, the manufacturers, the sport, NASCAR. I, I think the whole industry has done a great job to take this car and look at the L.A. Coliseum race. That was amazing. Daytona was unbelievable. Uh, you know, I didn't see the race Sunday. I saw a little bit of it. But to me, you know, the ending of it, you know, when there's caution and two or three laps to go, it was exciting. All the cars right on top of each other. And like Dominic said at the beginning of the show, I think the first two races of the year, uh, we've had more different people in the top 10 than, than, a, than a long time. Right, Dominic? Is that what in you were the saying? The first two races, yeah. It's the first time since 1973 that we've seen so much parity. 19 different drivers scored a top 10 finish in the first two races in the Cup Series. And I don't know when the last time it happened, but the fact that we have 10 different drivers with top five finishes in the first two races, I mean, that's as diverse as it's going to get in the first couple events of 2022. Well, and to add to all that too, guys, um, is uh, what, what I would say, uh, you know, the last couple of years, the product that NASCAR had out there was pretty good. I think we were all pretty pleased with what NASCAR was throwing out there considering the circumstances and no practice and qualifying as well. The racing was really good. And so there was pressure on NASCAR for introducing this new car of, hey, you know, how can you do when the product's already good? What can you do to still make it better of some sorts? And Jerry, I I've been very impressed with, with what we've seen through these first, you know, two, three weeks, considering that, you know, they, they had, you know, the issues of the supply chain and not the, not having the backup cars and coming off a good run where the racing has been good the last couple of years. There was a lot of pressure on NASCAR to get this right. And so far, it, it seems like it's passed the test. Yeah, it has. It absolutely has. And, you know, supply chain issues are going to, you know, that, that that's not new. It's been going on. So it's not a NASCAR thing. It's a global thing. Uh, Dominic, to your stat. Eric Almirola is the only driver to finish inside the top 10 in both races so far this season. That shows if you're talking about leveling the playing field, um, that's huge because you've got that, that mix of, of guys that are, that are up there running up front. And this car is doing that. It's look, I thought Daniel Suarez was going to win that race on Sunday. I truly did. I was telling my wife, like, this is huge. If Daniel could pull this off, this is huge. He yeah. faded, but Daniel Suarez gave it a heck of a go uh, to try and win that race. We've seen some really great racing uh, and, and, you know, there are a few things with uh, get, you know, getting a flat and they get kind of hung up, but I think NASCAR will work through that part, but the car itself seems to be doing performing really well on the track. Jerry, yes. I think we're going to see some first time winners, a few of them. We've already seen one in Austin Cindric in 2022, but I think Tyler Reddick gets into victory lane at least a couple of times. 
Um, I think Suarez is going to get there. Maybe uh, we see Ross Chastain get there. I mean, this is going to be a year. I think that parity, the way it's going to show, is guys that we don't typically talk about getting in victory in lane. I mean, Eric Jones looks so good, and we know how talented he is. You know, I, I, I thought he was good at Gibbs. I think he's going to get in victory lane this year. What say you as far as that, uh, that parity goes and maybe seeing some first-time winners? I do. I think you. I think you'll see a first time. I agree with you on Reddick. I actually picked Reddick uh, uh, as one of my picks for the 500, um, as a kind of a mid-tier pick. Uh, I also, uh, I think you've got people like Daniel, like I said, Daniel Suarez. Uh, Austin Cindric does not surprise me at all uh, to get it, it, that kid's talented. He's raced everything there is out there. Uh, against his father's wishes, against his family's wishes. You know, I asked uh, ask, uh, Tim Cedric at, at Daytona after after Austin won the race. Uh, I said, so y'all didn't want him to race, and he's still doing so well, and he wins the Daytona 500. He says, we still don't want him to race, but he's a man of his own, and, you know, he's out there doing it, and and he did it. And, you know, Tim got to kind of be the, the dad for a little while, so that was really cool the way he answered some of those questions and, and talked about Austin, you know, standing there in victory lane. It was a, uh, it was really cool. So yeah, you're going to see some of those drivers uh, from the back. I mean, just, okay. Look at Garrett Smithley. Okay. He raced hard. He's a, he's a kid that doesn't have a lot of money races wherever he can race hard and, and had a, you know, had a good day going. So I don't, you know, those teams that are back markers are racing up towards the front and at least being competitive. Which, which is really awesome, man. I think I think that's great. Hey, I want to backtrack a little bit real quick, guys. Uh, I heard Jerry was talking about those three major stories, and one of them was Dale Earnhardt. When when Dale Earnhardt Jr. was was having was going through his uh, concussion stuff, and uh, and we didn't really know the public and the people in the industry didn't really know if he was going to ever come back and drive again, and he did. He had his farewell tour year uh, you know jerry i want to i want to ask you you know the 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 concussion protocol in our industry is is night and day difference from three or four years ago you know and i feel like that you had a big part in that and keeping uh, uh keeping a lot of us drivers all the drivers in our sport and all the drivers are across the country i think it's really brought a lot of recognition and uh, how you understand uh, the severity of somebody's uh, uh, the, you know, uh, of the accident. And, uh, you know, I was just thinking this when I was hearing you talk earlier about the, the, the doctor that's friends with your friend that's a doctor uh, and you break in a little bit, bringing that a little bit, you know, you, you reported on that to the industry. And I feel like that reporting really changed uh, to really made the sport much safer for us racers uh, just because the, the concussion protocol, like I said, it's night and day different from what it was four years ago. You know what I'm saying? Did you and, go Google? Uh, did you what's that? Did you go Google something a while ago? Because I actually broke the story about concussion protocols in NASCAR ahead of everybody else after that story with Dale Jr. Man, I don't, I don't do, I don't. Okay. I, don't, <laughs> I, don't, <laughs> I actually <laughs> did. No. I, I broke the not, story. Not at all, man. Not yeah. at all. I just, I was just, I just sit here thinking about it. You know, I just think about, you know, I'm fortunate that over the years, you know, 
uh, you know, when all of us, no matter what happens to us on the racetrack and we have to go to the infield care center, which I think it's a great thing that NASCAR implemented years ago, if you're involved in an accident or your car has stopped on the racetrack and you have to get out of it and, and your car is towed in, you that's mandatory, uh, 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 you know, the, uh, uh, the care center. You know what I mean? You got to right. go in there and – but the safety protocol, this uh, concussion protocols that we have in the last couple of years, I think you was a big part of that or the part of making that come to be what it is today. I appreciate that. Uh, Dr. Chris Giza, uh, G-I-Z-A, he's out of California, and yep. he's the doctor that educated me on, on brain injuries, and uh, he's, he's a great guy, and uh, he, he gave me a couple of hours of time just telling me about different things and you know how that impact and how dale you know not him specifically but a patient like dale how he would be experiencing things and how he could get better and, and stuff like that so uh that was uh that, that was really cool stuff and yeah i did i uh when the protocols came out i was uh the first one to write about that um about that happening and uh, about them changes or stuff. So that's uh, those are the biggest things in my, my career in NASCAR is trying to just beat everybody. If you can beat Bob Pockers to a story, you've done something. And that's, <laughs> that's, my, that's my goal in life. You know, beat Bob Pockers to a story. Oh, that's good. Uh, guys, uh, we got a couple of things before we uh, wrap up today's show. Let's go ahead and get to our uh, news notes segment. And uh, Dominic, I believe we have time for uh, for about two things here. So let's start out, uh, I believe, with uh, Greg Biffle. What's going on with him, Dom? Greg Biffle. So it wasn't a one-race deal for the Daytona 500. Greg Biffle is returning to the driver's seat with New York Racing at Las Vegas Motor Speedway. The Biff, the 18 or 21 time winner in the NASCAR Cup Series, rather, is returning to the driver's seat. He will be behind the wheel of the only non-chartered NASCAR Cup Series ride in Las Vegas this weekend. Guys, I mean, they, barring a fuel pump issue, look like they showed some speed in Daytona. And with the the, the parity that we've seen in the Cup Series this year, maybe that 44 team can go out and have a strong run. Jerry, let's start out with you. What's your thoughts on uh, Greg Biffle uh, racing with this New York racing team there at uh, Vegas this weekend? I talked to Greg before this deal was actually announced and uh, tried to get him to come on to our podcast and he just couldn't do it. But uh, yeah, I picked him as a long shot winner of the Daytona 500 because he had a Rick Hendrick engine and an RCR chassis and they, you know, had, had such good speed in the duels uh, and he raced his way in. So I'm thinking they've got a few days they can work on this. Maybe they, you know, with the right, you know, chaos that we see in the Daytona 500, he might be in the right position mid-pack to, to shoot to the front and, and to win uh, that race. Fuel pump issue obviously uh, cost him that, that opportunity. However, him being back in the sport, I think it's a great thing. He's, you know, I've talked to, to Greg a lot through the years, and, uh, and we actually text every once in a while. Uh, he's one of the guys uh, like Carl Edwards that I, I still keep in touch with. And I'm glad to see him in the sport. I think he wanted to come back to racing. I think he's having fun. Um, and, and this is a good thing. It's a good thing for him, and it's a good thing for the sport. David, what's your thoughts on uh, Biffle making this uh, cup return here? Well, I think it's awesome. The Biff, man, you can't ever count him out. And I think one of the things, being friends with, with Greg for so long, you know, when he finally retired, and I don't know if he completely retired. Obviously, he didn't. 
but there towards the end when he was with Jack Roush, he he uh, I, I uh, we we met up for dinner lunch I don't remember what it was and one of the things we're saying man I with everything going on technology wise he said man I don't I don't know if if where I'm at right now we're ever going to be able to get back to victory lane uh I think this new car uh with the wait what we talked about earlier with how much how many different drivers are finishing the top 10 the last two races you know, I think it, it evens up the playing field, and, and that's what Biffle wanted. You know, we know his ability. We know what he's done in the past. I, I wouldn't see if we saw Greg Biffle in victory in 2022 at all because he is definitely one of the top drivers out there, and he's you know proven himself over and over year after year with the right equipment, like Jerry was saying. Yeah, Dominic, uh, him and this New York racing team, What's realistic for uh, Greg Biffle here? Can we see him compete on Sunday at, uh, at Vegas, you think? Well, I think if this is the opportunity to do it where you're going to have smaller teams and, and that more even playing field come to play, I think we, we're going to really see that at Las Vegas Motor Speedway this weekend. I mean, I'm curious, Jerry, on, on your take on this, but I, I don't think a lead lap finish is out of question or maybe even a, a top 20, solid top 20 run out of Greg Biffle and team if they – fix those issues that they, they worked out in Daytona and barring a mechanical or issue or some sort of crash. I think Greg Biffle in the top 20 at the end of the day is not something out of the realm of possibility. I agree with that. I, I think uh, he's obviously got talent. Um, you know, he's, he's won championships before he's obviously won, I think 21 races uh, you said earlier. Um, mm -hmm. So, and that's in the cup series. He obviously won more than that in the uh, other, in the lower tiers. So uh, yeah, he can, he could get it done and top 20. That's definitely doable. Mm -hmm. I mean, I think we saw it last year, too. And, and granted, it was a different car. But Parker Kligerman at Kansas, I think he was 16th or 17th and had been out of the cup car for a long time. So it certainly can be done. Tyler, I think this would be the year to do that. I think so. I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Dominic, uh, let's get to uh, our next topic here. Uh, Chicagoland has not seen a cup race in a couple of years. And we'll be seeing one. But could we see that market get another race in the near future? Well, it looks like that might be something that could be looked at as early as next year. Adam Stern with the Sports Business Journal was the first to report that NASCAR is still interested in a possible street course race in the Chicago street course, at least in the Chicagoland market. So NASCAR is remaining in talks with the city, and apparently NASCAR, according to Stern, has been talking with the mayor. Maybe the possibility of that happening could be as early as next year. And, guys, we kind of got a little preview of that last year with the NASCAR Eve Pro Invitational Series where they did run a Chicago street course and James Davison took the checkered flag. Maybe it's something we look at as early as next season being added to the schedule. Well, Jerry, the way I look at it personally is, you know, Chicago's, what, the third, fourth largest market in the U.S. Um, to me, it, it wouldn't have seemed smart for NASCAR to abandon Chicago completely this year they add st louis take you know uh you know chicago wasn't a part of it and such st louis is part of the equation here but um you know chicago land was never that great of a track i like the idea if you're going to have a street race chicago seems like a good fit it would be uh it, there's a lot of political uh ramifications that are going on with that you know uh, chicago is a tough town so uh i'll be interesting to see how it plays out um i i you know I think there's probably better places to, to run a street course, uh, you know, in the United States. But 
that said, you know, we do have some fans in the Chicago area and, and maybe uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway, uh, you know, just there in South Illinois is not the cup of tea for some of those guys. Uh, maybe some of the, the they want to see, a, uh, you know, a, a street course race. Um, I say we should run it through downtown Dallas. That'd be great. But I think Texas Motor Speedway <laughs> might get a little upset about that. But so uh, so I don't think we're going to get three races in Texas uh, in, in NASCAR. So. David, what do you think about this uh, Chicago street race idea? Well, I, you know, I, this is the first I'm hearing about it, but I'm, I'm kind of like, you know, I'm kind of like, I didn't see anything wrong with the Chicago land speedway. I, I liked it. I think the racing there was great. And, uh, you know, and to take it away from the Chicago land speedway and do a street course downtown, I'm kind of like Jerry. I believe there's other places in America that would produce a better race course downtown, you know, like Dallas, Texas, Houston, Texas, or, you know, somewhere else, you know, but, uh, but anyway, I, I really, you know, hearing you speak about it, Tyler, it, it, you know, Chicago is a big market, uh, big market sports wise, you know, and I don't know how big it is. It's big for NASCAR as well. But, uh, but anyway, it'd be interesting. Anything's possible. I mean, if we went to the LA Coliseum and ran a race. So, you know, for me, if we if next year there's a street course in downtown Chicago, I wouldn't be surprised after seeing what what NASCARs did with uh, with the LA Coliseum. Well, and Dominic, we see street course racing uh, in about every different form of motorsports for the most part. Um, this is not something that NASCAR has done, and it's been talked about for a long time, but we've never seen this come into fruition. Uh, last year, IndyCar added Nashville for a street course, and that didn't go so well uh, for, for IndyCar. The reviews were not that great. Yeah, so, I mean, it's definitely NASCAR trying something, going to the sandbox and trying to do something out of the box. I think maybe something with Ben Kennedy being in charge or having more of a say and having that racer's perspective. I, I mean, and I'm sure Jerry could speak more on this, but I feel like this has Ben Kennedy written on it with the L.A. Coliseum experiment. I mean, I think that went well. It's showing that NASCAR is not afraid to go outside the box and try something different. Well, I will uh, expand a little bit. You're right. It does have Ben Kennedy's fingerprints all over it. Ben wanted to run in Soldier Stadium, Soldier Field. And uh, logistically, it just wouldn't happen. Uh, they couldn't They couldn't make it work. But that's why we ended up at the LA Coliseum. Apparently, they were driving you know, through LA, and they're like, let's race. How about racing there? Uh, and we did. So Ben has great ideas, and is a, I think he is – the future of the sport is in Ben Kennedy's hands. Um, and I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. If he wants to go to Chicago and race on the street course, let's do it. I like the ideas that he's had of racing in other countries and taking NASCAR overseas and maybe to the Asian market. I know things are a little tense right now in certain parts of the world, but uh, I, I think, I think there's a, the world is a very big place. I've been to a lot of it. I haven't been to all of it. Um, and I think NASCAR needs to visit some of those places, and uh, it, it would be fun because we would ex definitely expand our fan base. Hey, I got a question for you guys. I, I did not watch the IndyCar race in downtown Nashville, so that you said that wasn't uh, that wasn't a home run for them. No, that wasn't well received. Uh, I mean, uh, it wasn't configured well and such. Um, uh, you know they're they're going back there, I believe, and you know they'll they have some stuff to improve on, but that that did not go well. That crash was pretty cool. The winner, the 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 big <laughs> the airborne jump over the car, in you know, I mean that was pretty neat. 
I don't believe Jerry. I know what you're talking about, but anyway, taking the Tyler, tell him about it. Oh, I, I, go ahead, tell tell more okay, detail. Okay. I, I forget the driver. The driver that won the race won the. I don't cover any cars much. I've got somebody else that does that. But the driver that won the race actually hit another car, went airborne, went over it, and kept going. And really? uh, yes, and the race. Yes, like something out of a video game. Yeah, it was totally out of a video yeah. game. Well, That's and then amazing. like. I guess the bridges in the city were causing issues or something too. Maybe. Yeah, they were spinning and they, they had a hard time making different turns. Uh, it was a good race. It was just a, if one car had a wreck or had a problem, it was kind of like a problem at Martinsville where oh, okay. everybody was going to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Everybody yeah. was going to get involved. So, and yeah, Man, and, my, my opinion on NASCAR racing stock cars on a city course. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, I, I, I think our, our cars, will we race that all over the country in these racetracks that, that are built here in America? You know, I don't know. I think it'd be kind of cool to see it, but I just don't know if they're really built for that kind of racing. You know what I'm saying? I mean, I don't know. What's y'all's thoughts, guys? I'm open to it. Let's give it a shot. There you <laughs> go. So, uh, so Tyler, real quick, it, Marcus Erickson, he caused the wreck, caused his car to go airborne, and ended up winning the 80 lap Indy car race. So, <laughs> yeah, like he jumps over a car that in a wreck that he caused, and then he wins the race. I mean, this is you can't make this stuff up. Yeah, and uh, I believe a uh, big machine, uh, the Scott Porchetta company, was a big sponsor for that, and you know, of course they have big NASCAR ties too. And uh, so, who knows? Maybe uh, maybe Nashville would be an option, too, uh, if we're talking street racing. I know they're talking about the fairgrounds and such, too, but Chicago appears to be not option one when it comes to street racing. All right, let's go ahead and get to uh, our Ask David segment. Each week, we ask you to submit questions to us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash David Star Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and by email, davidstarpodcast at gmail.com. Let's go ahead and go to the uh, first question. Uh, David, uh, this uh, question comes from Eddie. Eddie wants to know, David, what are you giving up for Lent? <laughs> well, I hate to mention this, but ice cream. I love my ice cream, guys. <laughs> well, that's going to be tough for you, Dave. I know, but you got you got to do it. You know what I mean? That's, hey, that's, that's, it, it, it's worth it. You know what I mean? It's worth it. But, uh, but it, it will be tough, but it's worth every every bit of it. And uh, that's a tough one, but that's what I'm giving up. Whataburger has great ice cream shakes, man. <laughs> yeah, they do. Absolutely. <laughs> How about you guys? That was a great question, Eddie. What about you guys? What are y'all giving up for Lent? Well, I got to tell you, Dave, I mean, I, I try to do something every year. and I'll usually give up sugar and alcohol. That's usually a given, but I'll try to add something else to that. And I'm giving up coffee this year. And you, you guys know me. I'm a big coffee guy. I'll, I'll water down coffee and put hot water throughout the day. So I'm drinking something warm, but I'm going to give up some coffee. We'll see how that goes. And yeah, I mean, I gave it meat a few years ago. That was kind of tough. So I'm going to guess this is going to be just as hard because this is something I have part of my life every day. How are you, Tyler and Jerry? Uh, after this weekend, I'm going to give up hanging out with Dominic. <laughs> I like it. Oh, that's a good one. Oh, I haven't even thought about it. So, <laughs> it's Lent. I had no. I had no idea. I'm sorry, guys. That's, yeah, it's uh, all good, Jerry. It's yeah. all good. <laughs> the uh, next question on the inbox uh, comes from Susan, 
Uh, Susan writes, David, what do you make about the situation going on in Ukraine? Oh man, that's a, that's a loaded question. You know, I don't know. We, you know, we, we've already taken up, you know, that's another podcast, you know, and our podcast is all about motorsports and uh, racing, you know, but, uh, you know, I, just like everybody else, I watch the news and uh, I'm a news junkie like, like all of us are. And uh, it's just sad to see. Uh, it's sad, you know, really sad, heartfelt for a lot of these families in Ukraine and uh, separating the, the fathers and the men staying back and fighting. And a lot of the women are staying back as well, uh, their own personal choices. But, man, I, I uh, you know, it would take me another hour to, to give you my political views and and, and I just don't want to open up that can of worms right now. But, uh, but you know, I, I just think it's very sad. Yeah, yeah I, I think that's, uh, that's well said. Jerry, uh, as a news reporter, uh, you know, somebody like you, what, what do you make of what's going on right now? Uh, I, I, I'm looking at some of these journalists that are out there. I'm just amazed by some of the coverage we're seeing out there, too. Well, in 2000, I worked, I did, I left the newspaper that I was managing editor for, for about nine months to go work for a daily newspaper uh, because I was getting married at the time. Um, and I worked for Cox News. And one of the assignments that had come open that I was uh, recommended for was actually in Russia uh, to be the Cox News correspondent over there. I didn't take it because I was getting married like three months later. Um, so, uh, it's interesting to see what's happening. I'm not surprised by it. I'm, I feel bad for the people of Ukraine because they are, I think they are a sovereign nation. Um, I think, you know, the, the Russian government, the Russian president Putin has, uh, has overplayed his hand a little bit. Um, I, I'm not sure what's going on, but I'm also kind of a, being a, being a news person for so long. I'm also kind of a conspiracy theorist and there's, He's not using his planes. He's not using his drones. There's a whole lot of, of his army that he's kind of holding back. And is this a distraction for something else? Are we missing a bigger picture here? And I think that's what news people need to be looking at right now. What's really going on? Why is he not? Because you would think that he could just destroy Ukraine. Um, and they're putting up on a heck of a fight. But what's going on somewhere else that, that we're missing? What's, and, and, and I think that needs to be the next big question that's asked. I think it's a great point. Dominic, what do you think? Yeah, just like all of you guys just watching it every day, talking with colleagues, talking with different people about what's going on out there. And yeah, my heart breaks for everybody that's affected. And gosh, I, I, I'm at a loss for words on it, honestly. I, you know, it really sucks to see what's going on on the other side of the planet. And here, here we are getting to talk motorsports on a platform like this, but then issues like this affect everyday lives. And there's people who, who are, being affected by what's going on in the news and everything that we're, we're seeing and things that are coming on social media. So my heart breaks for everybody that's involved. My thoughts and my prayers are with everybody affected and, and just the heartbreaking images you're seeing coming out of the Ukraine. It sucks. Yeah. There's, yeah, people, there, there's people in Ukraine right now, you know, that are just like us that love auto racing and they're holding AK 47s and, and defending their country. So when you think about it, Dominic, that's uh, you're, you're, you're right on point. Yeah, I, mean, I, I think it just, it makes us, I, I think we have to be just a, even that much more grateful for where we're at and the position we're in, because not everybody is in that spot. And and that's where my heart breaks is, yeah, it's it's a tough situation. And and that's all I can think of is just relying on my faith and just hoping all this will work out. And, and we hear less about the casualties and the fatalities and more about how there's going to be peace. Yeah. 
Well, and along those lines, you know, for me, it stands out is, you know, whether it's the people that are stepping up and, and fighting for their country and, you know, de defending their freedoms or whether it's the, the journalists that are out there, you know, just giving us the news and, and putting themselves, you know, in, in these front lines and such here, you know, I mean, uh, there's a lot of courage out there and it's inspiring. You know, I, I hate it for what the people there are going through. You know, they don't deserve this. But I'm inspired by the courage that we've seen and uh, the the patriotism from the people of Ukraine over these uh, last you know week or so of what's uh, what's all gone down here, guys. Uh, before we uh, go here, uh, some final thoughts and such. Jerry, uh, let's start with you. Uh, you'll be uh, in uh, Vegas this weekend. Where can people follow you and uh, see all your fantastic work, man? Obviously, at kickingthetires.net. You can follow me on Twitter at jerryjordan underscore ktt. You can follow the primary account at kickingthetires on Twitter. Um, we're on Instagram. I'm horrible at Instagram, so uh, follow me on Twitter. Uh, we ha I have uh, um, Facebook as well. So uh, we're in all of the uh, social media platforms, and you can find me at the track. I'll get there. Uh, I'll be there first thing Saturday morning. And I fly I'm going to miss the truck race. But I fly in Friday night. I get there about midnight, and then uh, I fly back out Sunday night on a red eye. And I'm back in the office to, uh, for my marketing job that I, I help. I do some contract work uh, each week on a, for a company here, and uh, and I have a meeting Monday morning, so I have to be back in the office Monday. Uh, but you can find me at the track. I'll be here. I'll be in Atlanta, and uh, many more down the road this year. Awesome, uh, Dominic. What's going on with you? Yeah, I'll be out of Las Vegas as well. I look forward to seeing all three of you at some point this weekend. And what's it called? We're having Mark Dean Vigil and Franklin Romero as a part of our team this weekend shooting photos for us. We'll have team coverage out there. Shout out to Jonathan Field who took care of that for us at Auto Club this past weekend and Amanda Montoya. So we've got a lot of good people involved in our organization. We're small, but we enjoy covering the sport. And we'll continue to do that this weekend. And man, Tyler, looking forward to seeing you this weekend. Yeah, yeah, this will be my first ever trip to Vegas, period. I've been to the airport once, lost 20 bucks in the slots at the airport, but uh, it'll be my uh, first full-on uh, trip, so it should be a lot of fun. I'm excited about it, and, and uh, to see all three of you, it'll be a great time, and certainly looking forward to that. David, uh, you're looking to make your uh, first start of the Xfinity Series season there at Vegas. Uh, tell us about your weekend ahead here. Man, I'm excited. I'm actually flying out tomorrow evening to Vegas to build a work on uh, our uh, Ticket Smarter Ford Mustang a little bit uh, Thursday afternoon at the uh, Las Vegas Motor Speedway. NASCAR's given us a three-hour window that we can uh, work on our Vegas cars. And, uh, and, dude, I can't tell you how excited I am to get there and, and to uh, be able to get back in that Ford Mustang, have Ticket Smarter. It's going to be Ticket Smarter complete car. Uh, what a great partner they are. And, uh, man, I'm looking forward to having a great race and uh, getting to work with uh, my crew chief, Jason Miller. And, uh, man, just uh, I'm excited to see you guys, excited that Jerry's going to be there as well. And uh, just looking to have a great weekend. Should be a lot of fun. We'll cover it all. And uh, as always, you can subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Wednesday at Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and YouTube. Uh, make sure to leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit that like button as well. We certainly would appreciate it. You can uh, follow us on Twitter at Star Podcast, Facebook.com 
uh, forward slash David Star Podcast and by email, David Star Podcast at gmail.com. We'll put the checkered flag out on this episode. Big thanks to Jerry Jordan for joining us. We will see you all next week on another edition of Let's Go Racing. For David Starr, Donna Cargon, and Jerry Jordan, I'm Flower Jones. Thanks so long. We'll see you next week.